Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... Come on, you've got this. Mentally, you're strong. You've got this. You've got this. 21 miles, hamstring, bang, just cramps. And I, oh. it was as if I'd been shot. And I was like, oh... Oh dear. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plod. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show, Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. As Christmas gets closer and closer, it's December, we can mention the C word, we can talk about Christmas, but as it does get closer and motivation might be dropping off a little bit, well don't worry, because over the course of the next 30, 40, I don't know, however many minutes we feel like crapping on for, we're going to do our best to lift your spirits, not just your Christmas spirits, but your running motivation, that's what this show's all about, and we're up to the challenge, aren't we Pete the producer, the non-running guy producer of the show? Yes, of course we are. Big time, big time. Um, a few days ago, I was not Christmassy at all, and um, I had to, I was forced by, you know, obviously family commitments and uh, kids and all that kind of stuff, uh, get a Christmas tree at the weekend, which I then put up and um, heard a couple of Christmas songs on the radio, and still... I'm not in a Christmas mood, but there's a Christmas tree there that's dropping needles all over the place that has cats climbing up it that could set the house on fire in a second. Not good news, man. Not good news. I'm not feeling Christmassy at all at the moment. I do like Christmas, by the way, but... Having just come back from Spain, running the Valencia Marathon. Did I mention, Pete, the producer, that I ran the Valencia Marathon at the weekend? That's kind of your focus. That's been oh, your focus for quite some time now, hasn't still it? Can't and all of a sudden, it. you need time to refocus on it being Christmas. Well, in Spain, uh, first of all, I was in Spain and running a marathon, so that was a focus. I saw no reference to Christmas anywhere, and the weather was fantastic. I mean, we're talking mm. walking around in a T-shirt on Sunday. After the race. I mean, I, I actually thought the race itself, conditions-wise, were pretty spot on. Couldn't really complain. But then it was, like, perfect mm. because it was good conditions to run a marathon. But then pretty much as soon as you finished, it started to warm up and it was walking around, T-shirt, shades on. Great atmosphere. Absolutely loved it. Feeling super fired up today. Ready to get stuck back into some more training. More training? Well, I didn't race it, did I, at the weekend? You did see this. I sent you this message. You did, and I've had people messaging me. How did it go? How did it go? If you follow me on Strava, you'll know. I um, I had a, <laughs> I had a manic week last week. I know we can all relate to this, can't we? We all have manic weeks. Yeah. And, and to be honest, the last several weeks, we've spoken a lot, Pete. You know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But it's been pretty mad. Over the last several weeks, and and in, to the point where I think I mentioned this a bit on the shows, previous episodes, that it was like fitting in training was quite tr- quite difficult, and I'm hardwired to train. I'm up for it anyway, always, but it was getting quite mm. hard, and it was a little bit laborious in some in some ways, and I just needed to back off a bit. So it it couldn't have come s- like soon enough, Valencia, and just like everything that I say to my runners and other people, people that reach out, listen to the show about race week you've got to make sure you rest you eat well take off any pressure as much as you can of course it's not always so easy to get rid of stress but just try and have a relatively easy week be mindful look after yourself good sleep so you can get in that good headspace physically rested but also mentally as well to extract maximum performance on the day of your event did i do that was i in that headspace was i feeling physically and mentally up for it no i wasn't 
it was just it's probably i've done 17 marathons now i counted yesterday it was probably the worst week of preparation i've ever had for a marathon well, you Ever. were freaking out, weren't I you? I was. Because obviously was. you left on the Thursday. We recorded the show on the Tuesday. Mm. You were having big doubts about what was going on and where you were at. And I just remember you sending me a message on, I think it was Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning or something, and you just were like... And it just came out of nowhere. And we'd had our chats and stuff, and then you just sent me this message uh, in relation to nothing, and it just said, man, I'm just pissed off with Valencia. And I was like... And, and you got... I'm like, what, 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 hey, what? But it's just frustration. I think all, everything, it was just you knew that you weren't as prepped as you could be, as you wanted to be, I guess. I think it's that sometimes when you just have so much going on that, that you reach a, a little bit of, I suppose, breaking point in some respects, for want of a better phrase. I wasn't quite at breaking point, but, you know, define that for a start. But I wasn't far from it. And it was just all getting too much. You know when you just race from one thing to the next and you never really have a moment to kind of take a breath? You never really are able to maximise everything that you're doing because you're just simply doing too much. And while you're doing one thing, you're kind of just looking ahead. Rather than being in the moment, you're thinking about what you've got to do next and what's happening then and how that relates to the next thing you've got to do two days later and whatever. So it was all a bit much. So I was definitely ready to just, okay, I just need to like relax now and just chill. But then I slept terribly on the Saturday night. I was exhausted all week anyway. And yes, this is your weekly dose of running motivation. We do keep it real, as you know. Uh, and ultimately, this, is, this does end nicely, by the way. Very positive. It does it, end I, It was an amazing yeah, it experience. It, it was does. absolutely amazing. Sure. And unfortunately, we don't have the time today on, on this episode to go into it. I'd love to share so many details with you because it was just amazing but we have got Josh Schofield on fellow coach been on before yes, want to catch up yes. with him about how London went for him this is how busy things are we haven't had a chance to catch up with Josh so we're going to have him on the show very soon so make sure you listen to that this is actually a call we recorded last week so leading up to Valencia when I had I was in the mines mindset of racing it but then all these things happened last week and and you know on Sunday morning I woke up and Martina said as they woke up, I just basically lay there. I, just, I got up because I was just awake all night. And it's a really lonely time, isn't it? At night, when you're not sleeping and you're trying to force yourself to sleep, you're trying to do all the counting sheep and counting big pans of paella in my case. Just counting whatever you can and just trying to relax and sleep. It's just a worse situation. And Martina comes in and she said, right, um, are you up for it? You ready? I'm like, I'm not going to race it. Should you joke him? I said, I'm not. I said, I'm not. And I was in a little bit of a mood. I was a little bit of a mood, a bit groggy. Mm. I said, I'm going to run it with you. Martina, as people will know, if listened to previous episodes, she was injured. So her job was to get through it. Like we had her on the show recently, didn't we? And it was a case of saying, look, new challenge now. Are you going to be able to finish this race? She was prepared to just stop. So I said, I'm going to run it with you. Let's just see how it goes. I'm not, and I was really honest, I'm not in the headspace to extract everything I've got. And I don't feel like I have much anyway. I'm just not. And you just got to say to yourself, sometimes I recognise that, I acknowledge it, and therefore I'm going to choose my behaviour wisely. And that's why I decided to run with Martina. And it was just amazing because I, I love helping other people and especially you know, your girlfriend and she was in a situation not unsure whether she was going to finish it kept checking in with her throughout she had this new challenge not only did she finish it got the medal 
but she did it well. It was a negative split. Not that she was obviously racing it, but that always feels nice. Like you start slower and finish quicker. It always feels like you're making really good progress, especially if you're going past people towards the end. So although it was just a very long run for both of us, really, just getting the crowd going and cheering. I've, 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 you saw the video that I posted in the group with, did, with my yeah. runners, didn't you? Just, <laughs> you were high-fiving oh, people. I just loved it. I, I could just love that situation because you get all those amazing emotions from being involved in an event like a marathon, like the Valencia Marathon, even though you didn't race it out and out. And, of course, you recover a lot faster. I feel good to go again today, you know, run-wise and stuff. So that was the outcome. That was my experience. Decided not to race it. I stand by it as well. It's not like I look back and go, oh, I wish I'd have raced it. I didn't. It wasn't the right time. And sometimes you just have to, I suppose, live to fight another day. And that's exactly what I did. So I'm in a much better space today, Pete. You'll be pleased to hear. This is going to be a positive show. Do you know why? Because it's your weekly dose of running motivation. That's why. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Josh, welcome back to the show, my friend. It does seem like an age since we last caught up. It's not really, is it? It's not an age, but it just feels like it. So much flipping happens all the time. Just it does. bonkers. Especially the coaching world, it's mental. <laughs> You've got to respond to all of your runners when they're training for different events. And right, they, they, they achieve their goal and it's right. What's next? What are they tackling next? How are you doing anyway? Are you well? I can see you on the camera here. You look chilled out. You've got the espresso on the go. We feeling good today? Absolutely, mate. Good. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a nice time of year, I feel, in coaching. It's kind of, you're wrapping up what's been, you're really looking forward to what's coming up. And I absolutely love the spring marathon prep. It is like my favourite time of year. So yeah, exciting times. I feel like I should apologise because I said I was going to catch up with you before now because you obviously did the London Marathon. For those people listening to this show that perhaps don't know, you've been on a few times, a good friend of the show now, fellow running coach, and you took part in the London Marathon. It was your first one. You kind of came out of retirement a little bit. You've done some great stuff over the years, much shorter distances, fast runner, but you were taking on a new challenge. I do want to ask you about that. But you know, before I dive into that, you mentioned there about kind of you love this time of year, getting ready for spring. Are you talking about from a coaching perspective here putting your coaching hat on yes yeah yeah co- full coaching hat um perspective there yeah what is it you love about it is it the fact that are you feeding off your runners emotions so is it them that's like really up for spring marathons and just spring in general so training through winter that gets you fired up as a coach or do you just like planning for this time of year you know the cross countries and the the kind of base training stuff and building some resilience and you know all those necessary benefits and functions of fitness what, what do you love about it i think it's twofold i think it's first of all like from a coach's perspective um, yeah, seeing the emotion of the my runners, the, the new ones that are deciding to take on the marathon, runners that have had hard experiences in the marathon and want to retake it on and retackle that goal, and other runners that have had really positive marathons and seeing how far we can go with that. Um, I also love coaching like things like the cross country. It was my absolute favourite whilst I was running, so I love getting into that with with guys. Um, and on a kind of final point, um, I'm incredibly OCD. So it's really nice having a training block that starts like at the start of a month. <laughs> and it gives me immense joy like that I am able to start something on either the 2nd or 9th of January. That just is brilliant because it's like full focus. This is what we're doing. Whereas with the summer marathons, it's like, oh, the, the block starts on like the 13th of June. It's like what? What kind of what kind of time to start a block is that? It makes no sense. I hate it. So 
<laughs> spring marathon. It's great for the mentality and it, it just, it's nice, it's simple and I love it. <laughs> I do get that. I do get that. I, I'm I'm a little bit OCD with things myself. We're, I like things in order, structure. Yeah. You know, I like definite endpoints, start points. And it is yeah. easier in some ways to help map people's training when, when, it, when it is quite clear. I think the difficulty with summer as well, I mean, I don't necessarily suffer with this hugely, but the kind of hay fever, people struggling to run certain yeah. paces if they're focused on pace or certain efforts become harder, you know, because it's it's through the heat, especially yeah. things have been of late, you know, past few years in the UK, it's been pretty warm, hasn't it? Pretty toasty. Yeah. So I think that has an impact. Uh, I think obviously you've got the whole summer period, school holidays for parents yeah. that are running and training for goals. So I think while you've got Christmas around this time that punctuates people's training and potentially can cause people to to miss a few sessions here and there we also know it's nice to have a break as well for the body yeah, and the mind is, having yeah, said that good. i think it's it is a bit easier isn't it in some respects and while it might be a little bit harder for some people to get out the door if the weather doesn't look so great it's a bit gray once you're out there and you've got your kit on you're nice and you're warmed up you know you feel great when you get back don't you it's just a bit easier yeah, in some respects absolutely and, and you always get that period, like, you, you battle through January and it's a tough month and no one's fit, no one's ready to go, but you kind of, you do that hard work and that hard graft in January and then in, in February you'll get one or two runs where the sun is out, the UK is stunning at that time of year and running just feels like the easiest thing in the world and that's that's what you've got to do it for so that you're ready to go and take advantage of that run and, and yeah, like, I'm born in February as well so I'm a little bit biased to the month but you get some <laughs> absolutely stunning mornings. Like, you're, you're out there, it's cold, you can see the frost on the ground but the sun comes up and it's so bright and beautiful and yeah, we've got some great routes around here. Like, we're lovely rolling hills and it's it's absolutely amazing. I, do you know, I completely get that. I'm, I'm March. March 18th is my birthday. So yeah. I, I, I do love a good run on my birthday as well. Sets you up for the day, if of course it's possible, depending on what else we've got on and stuff. But just that time of year, Feb, March, uh, it can be fantastic. Really, really good. So in terms of like the actual training and structure and putting things in, in place, do you find that like the runners in, obviously I'm not asking you to call out anybody here. I mean, you can if you like. But do you find that people are generally on board with that approach? Or do you find that sometimes, because look, life gets in the way, doesn't it? Do you have to remind people that, look, don't just think if they're training for, let's say, spring marathon, don't just think, right, training starts in Jan. Because, okay, like the main focus might, you know, if you're looking at classic kind of 16 weeks they're in, you know, 14 yeah, yeah. to 18 weeks or whatever. But what shape do you need to be in by the starting point? Where do you need to yeah. be? Do you find you have to remind people of that sometimes because it's easy to let things slip, isn't it? Or are they pretty much in the main, like quite focused on the base training part to get in good shape before the main training begins? I think on the whole, like generally, um, a lot of my runners are now kind of getting into second, third, fourth marathon spell with us. So they kind of understand um, where they need to be. But um, going back to the old cricketing analogies, like I always say, you've got to start on the front foot. Um, and if you're not on the front foot going into your training block, then you, you, you create problems for yourself. You kind of I don't like going into a block feeling like there's the pressure of needing to create shape, needing to create fitness um, and get yourself to the point in which you want to be to achieve your goals. So we, I generally work off trying to do a half marathon or a 10K in the build-up to the block. That That is going to then decide what your goal is going to be. So we did St. Neat's half a couple of weeks ago and that was a bit of an idea for some some of the guys to say, right, you want to break three, okay, well, you need to run 123, 24 there 
if you can't do that, okay, we'll reassess and we'll say, right, this is the pace we're going to train at for now. And if you get to that point in the block, that's great. But if you don't, we're not going to put that pressure on that you've got to go and cultivate and find that shape whilst you're training because it adds extra stress. When you're going out and running for two and a half hours on a Sunday, you don't want to be adding that extra stress of, um, is this pace good enough to be advancing my fitness enough so I can hold the pace in the race I'm aiming for? So I like runners to be ready to go, having had a point of difference, changed something about their physiology, their mentality, their, their um, you know, physical makeup in the build-up to the marathon so that we don't have to worry about all we have to do is get that training done and then we'll go to race day. Uh, this is why I love chatting with you on the show and off the show as well with Josh, our catch-ups, because we just get into such good conversation around training and coaching and racing and all those things. And I'm still yet to ask you about London. Please remind me, because I do want to ask you. You're not getting away with it. But just staying on this topic for now, helping others, particularly, I suppose, spring marathons, not just marathons, of course, but that's a you know, big distance to focus on, a very popular distance uh, to look at for people to train. Y- you... You can leave things to last minute just to reinforce your point and and leave yourself too much to do. And of course, the biggest risk with that is not making it to the bloody starting line because you push too much, you take too much out of the body, physically, mentally, you're exhausted, you're injured, you just, it doesn't happen. You know, you either have a very miserable marathon because you've just tried to do too much in training or worst case, you don't even get there. You know, you don't get to the starting line or or, or the finish line and get a medal. So yeah, not leaving yourself too much to do is so so important it's not easy is it and i think as well and i'm intrigued to get your thoughts on this i do see a lot of people i'm not just talking the runners that i coach but just people in general social media friends whatever that talk about where they are so you talk about doing certain races half marathons putting a laying down a mark or a benchmark where am i if the race goes well of course you know conditions are good everything goes well you extract maximum performance on the day that's where you are so that's really useful as a measure isn't it and then you can refine your your big goals from there is it possible or not or whatever but i do hear a lot of people talk about oh i'm I'm not you know i don't feel fast or i'm not as fit as i was or they, they they almost want to be at peak fitness all the time like Do you know what I mean? You're smiling yeah, yeah, yeah. like every day. Like you just, and I, I guess I was there at some point over, over the years in my yeah. earlier years of, of running, but it's not real life, is it? It's not possible to be, even elite athletes can't be race shape all the time. No. So I think trying to reinforce that is, I think it's a really important message, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You're not aiming to be in the shape to go and run your goal 16 weeks out, but you're in the shape that you can cope with the training that's going to allow you to go and do that. So you know, you're training for a marathon. If you're struggling to run for an hour, 16 weeks out, and you're trying to break a pretty lofty goal, say sub four, sub 330, sub three, then that's when you kind of need to realign your processes and, and rethink where you're at. Yeah, it's different, isn't it? Completing a marathon versus wanting yeah. to race it. And obviously race it means yeah. race it for you and your ability. So it might be yeah. 420, whatever. It might be three yeah. hours. It might be faster. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's important that you're aware of what you're trying to do, especially if it's your first marathon and you're not that experienced as a runner because that's significant, then completion is just a massive challenge in itself. It's the unknown on the basis that most people hopefully won't run the full distance in, in training. So you leave that till the day and it's going to be the unknown. Am I going to be able to complete it? So that, that adds the challenge and the excitement. But when it comes to racing it, what's your view? And this is a really kind of open question here, Josh. So interpret this as you like, answer as you like. But what's your view on sort of the, I suppose, the long run mileage 
or, or duration that people should be kind of thinking about before they get to that main block of marathon training. So let's talk, by main block, let's just talk kind of 16 weeks-ish out. So by the January time, what sort of volumes or distances would you like to see people do if they're looking at racing a marathon is that an easy one to answer is difficult over the kind of over the month of december if they're regularly getting 90 minutes in i'm pretty happy i just don't want it to be a shock getting to an hour 45 two hours two hours 15 plus um so anything around that 90 minute barrier and then you can flip it and go right okay well i'll go more than that and see if that makes any more gains but then i you've got a caveat with that well 20 weeks out, if you're running two hours every week for 19 weeks of the year, like mentally that is so tough and so challenging. So um, you've got to preface it with it. it, It's a sliding scale. Um, And yeah, so I kind of 90 minutes ish for me, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and I think it's really interesting to hear you say that, you know, 90 minutes ish, because obviously it does depend on the individual and the more experience they they get under their belt, not necessarily mean they can run much, much longer before, like in the base training. I mean, there's probably a factor there, but you, they start to understand more, and we as coaches start to understand more what they're capable of, what their tolerance levels are, because that's a factor as well. And as you kind of allude to there, you know, if you're doing two hours all the time every weekend, it's kind of what you do, or even beyond for some people, that's not your only run, remember. It certainly shouldn't be. So there's other stuff going off in the week. You're probably doing some shorter, sharper, faster stuff. Maybe you're getting involved with a club, doing the classic 400s, hill repeats, whatever. So you, you are going to leave yourself exhausted before you go into that, that main block of 16 weeks, as we talk about. And it's almost like, I think you used the phrase shaping earlier, like you want to shape the sort of fitness a little bit. You don't want to be building absolutely everything and the phrase you used, shock the body. You don't want it to be, too, to be a huge shock when you're doing one hour 45, two hours 2.15 in the main block. Whereas if you've only been out there doing 40, 50 minutes, maybe the odd 60 minute, it will be a shock. And then you're relying on building volume and intensity. And as we know, that's where you could come unstuck if you're building too much too yeah. quickly. Really yeah. difficult to get right, isn't it, I think? That's not to say you can't do it. You can. You just need a good coach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you've got Born to be... salesman. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But you're right, Josh, because, you know, whether you self-coach, whether you have a coach, it's just managing your journey to that, uh, I keep saying yeah. 16 weeks out point, like that's, you know, it's got to be, but but it gives people something in their mind to work, yeah, yeah. work off. So you, you've got to sort of map and respond and think and, okay, how am I feeling? Do I need a little bit of extra time out here? Okay, that run didn't go to plan. I'm feeling a bit exhausted. So don't just mm. keep, you know, pedal to the metal. Think about that and react accordingly. And I guess, you know, with you, with your work with PGC1 Coaching, you have to do that quite quickly. Talk about front foot. You've got to be on the front foot with your runners. Massively, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, we've, we've um, this time round like done a massive uh, data analysis on all of our runners that have ever run a marathon so that we're, we as a coaching team are on the front foot ready to go in January. This is the most kind of updated plan and mindset of the training we've done. So um, I've got a, a, an intern that started me this year, Jack. He's a, gr- he's a great lad. Um, he's gone and analysed 85 training plans all 16 weeks long. So you can imagine the amount of data that he's gone and had a look at. Wow. And we've gone through it all as a, as a group and we've said, right, well, you know, is there an amount of two and a half hour long runs that seem to be, you know, work well with getting personal bests? Actually, yes, there is. Is there an amount of long runs that seems to be? Yes, yes, there is. Is there a correlation between, you know, running a 20 mile race in and around goal pace and completing well? 
Yes, yes, there is. Okay, so these are almost factors we've got to put into the training in order to make sure everyone gets the most out of the block. It's being logical, isn't it, and structured with things and having that that data feedback, uh, that data capture and analysing it and then applying the results is really important. And, and, you know, listening to this, you don't need to get overly caught up, you know, if, if, if you are self-coaching, it doesn't need to become a full-time thing. But obviously running is important to you for your own reasons. You want to achieve your goals if that's what you've set yourself, you know, lofty goal, as you mentioned earlier, Josh. So taking a little bit of ownership, I think is so, so important. And it just it prevents you from being a passenger and just, well, I'll follow this plan I printed off off the internet and I'll just, I won't listen to how my body's feeling and I'll just try and just get through it. I won't warm up properly. And you've got to focus on those other elements as well, I think, to race well. Not easy. Look, come on, you're not getting out of it. Should we, should we have a little chat about London? Shall we yeah. do that? Because you Let's are... You're so honest, Josh, which you absolutely love. We do have great chats when we have you on. And you were doing your first London Marathon, as I mentioned. Uh, I know the outcome. I wanted to catch up with you. Just just take me through it. How did it go? Because we, I, let's start at the beginning. Were you feeling nervous going into it? Were you feeling pretty confident? I know from Strava you've done some great stuff, but how were you feeling before the race? I, I was nervous going in because I didn't feel like the block went as nicely as it could have. Um, I'd not really tackled the long runs particularly well. Um, and that was playing on my mind quite heavily going in. Um, there was a couple that went really badly and I remember coming back home afterwards full, throwing a full-on strop, like a, a Cristiano Ronaldo-style tantrum. <laughs> uh, and my girlfriend Holly at the time was like, you just need to grow up, mate. Like, come on, you, you are going to complete it. You are going to do it no matter what. It's like, and you know, it, it was tough. Um, I think that having come from a period of such detraining to trying to go out and run two and a half hours in the hottest summer that there was for a very long time was tough. And I took that challenge on and, and I wanted to go and have a go at that because, you know, um, I like to, I like to challenge myself. So, uh, yeah, it, I was nervous. I'd, I'd had one really good 16 mile long run, um, in the build up, So I knew I was going to get to about 20. Okay. And I kind of thought from there on in, it's just a case of I've got to go back to cross-country mentality and just put myself in as tough a position as I can to go and try and achieve the sub three. And if I get it, I get it. If it doesn't come off, then it doesn't. So I was nervous, but I knew I knew roughly where I'd be and I'd be okay. And a lot of people talk about, especially coaches, actually, they talk about, well, the marathons is two races, you know, it's a 20 miler and a 10K. The race doesn't start until you get to 20 miles. Now you've ran London with all your wealth of knowledge and experience as an athlete in the in your younger years with the shorter stuff and also as a coach. Do you agree with that? What, what was your experience oh, yeah. in London? Massively. To be honest, I was tactically so inept on the day. I'd got a great plan in my head. <laughs> I love your honesty. I... <laughs> Really, I did well to about 13 miles on my plan. And do you know what? I let my emotions get the better of me on the day. Um, I think for me, like, it was quite a poignant thing going back to London, like having previously ran the mini marathon as a child, my dad having ran it. Um, I, I just felt a lot of emotion on the day. And, and it's, it's really strange. Like, I could fit, I was like crying as I was running past like certain points just at the start of the race. It's like so much emotion build up. And I got out through the first 5K spot on, 10K really good. Um, I even slowed myself down slightly through um, through uh, 15K, 20K. 
So I knew I was about spot on. I think I went through halfway. Someone can correct me on the split, but I think it's 128.40. And just after halfway, I saw my dad in the crowd and I pointed at my watch and I went, I'm on pace, dad, I'm on pace. And he's like, go on, you've got it, son. And I then just went mental and like, <laughs> like right, I'm picking people off, I'm going, like, yeah. <laughs> and I dropped about a minute quicker than I was supposed to, 20 to 25K. I, flipped, I split my watch and I went, oh dear, that wasn't very clever. I was like, okay, let's, you know, realign things. Okay, I know I've, I've, got, I've got time in the bank, it's okay, it's okay. Can kind of coming through um, into Canary Wharf and Matt Bergen was on the side of the course. Now, you know Matt from, he's done a podcast with you before, I think. Yeah, Matt from the performance team, a physiotherapist, top guy. He's yeah. been on the show. Yeah, good guy. And he, he looked at me and he goes, shouts, go on, coach, go on, coach. I gave him a lock and I went, no, it's done. <laughs> and I could just feel the heaviness start to come, the a body of lacking of energy. And I thought, oh dear. I've overcooked this. Um, so I was, I was trying to smash a gel every sort of two hours, uh, two miles or so, um, and just try and get my body back. But kind of 20 miles really realized that, yeah, I'd, I'd just used a little bit too much energy too soon. Um, so I, I kind of, I, I, I really at that point tried to realign my focus and say, I know I've got time in the bank, just get it back to, get as many miles as you can close to seven minutes and we'll see what happens. You'll come, you'll come good. You'll come good. I saw all of my clients, my group at 21 ish, no 20 and a half. And I was like, okay, like, come on, you've got this mentally. You're strong. You've got this. You've got this 21 miles hamstring bang, just cramps. And I, it was as if I'd been shot. And I was like, Oh, Oh dear. Um, I stretched it out, tried to go again. Same thing happened. And I was like, right, it's done now. Um, but the, the time's gone. It's just a case of you've just got to get home now. Um, so yeah, I had to then basically like run, walk all the way back home, uh, which was, yeah, mentally like at the start, I was kind of really distraught and I was a bit like, oh, you know, you've done all this training, you're not going to quite achieve what you want. But actually like, I think it was the nicest thing because because I was going so much slower than I thought I would be. I saw so many people in the crowd, like old running friends from like 10 years ago. I saw like uh, my best friend from sixth form came out to watch. I've seen her. I, I got to stop and I chatted to Holly at, uh, just outside Westminster Palace. Like it, it was just, um, it was really nice actually to absorb the atmosphere of the race rather than be so focused on I need to run under three hours. I need to run under three hours. Actually, I absorbed all of the atmosphere of what London actually is, um, which which was really nice. So I was able to kind of rationalise it in my own head as I was going. But yeah, it was it was tough to take at the time. What an experience and what a journey. Not just training, I mean, the whole thing, but the race itself, the emotions. I always say this, the emotions that people go through in something like a marathon, purely because you're out there for a long time, irrespective of your experience, it's a long race. There's a lot of emotions that you go through, the ups and downs and the emotions pass. You know, the classic one of if you're feeling bad right now, just hang fire. You might not continue to feel bad throughout the whole of it. You know, things do pass. But being able to see Holly out on the course and your old friends and just, and as you say, absorb it. I've certainly 
uh, had done marathons before where they've been quite humbling experiences, which it sounds like you had a similar experience, correct me if I'm wrong. And you are able to take things in. I mean, it's a classic thing of, I remember I did my first marathon in London in 2008 and I remember people saying, oh, you know, did you see the Cutty Saw? Could you see Big Ben? I was like, I didn't see anything. I just, I was, so, I just, it just went by in a blur, Josh, because I was just so focused on my own goal and you're thinking when you're going to have your next gel or how you're feeling or is that cramp coming or am I going too quick or am I going too wide around the corners? Am I taking the shortest line through the course? All that, it can actually be quite draining. And when you're talking about those emotions there and you almost let them get on top of you, get the better of you in some respects, I had goosebumps when you were talking about that stuff, you know, feeling emotional and, and crying at certain parts of the race, which I think people can really relate to listening to this as well. It is draining to experience high emotions, isn't it? Whether they're good, bad emotions, whatever. Really, really difficult. I love actually your, um, so on London Marathon 2022, on your Strava, so Josh Schofield, PGC1 Coaching, if you want to give Josh a little follow. Really, really honest. Uh, potentially got a little bit ballsy at 14, 15 miles and got into trouble around 19, which is exactly what you said. I got to 21 miles, just about still on for sub three, um, and then the cramp set in. The marathon is an incredibly cruel beast. I succumbed to her, and she spat me out without a second thought. It's It really is a beast of a distance. The cramp, have you ever had that? Did you have it in training? It's funny because I foresaw that I would probably get it because I'm a very heavy sweater. Um, disgusting. Sorry, guys. Uh, oversharing. Um, hey, it happens. So I'd had electrolyte gels the whole way through. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of foresaw that that would probably be a, an issue. So I tried to like counteract that um, and yeah, still still wasn't quite enough. It, it's funny because at about two hours in, it really did get very hot. Um, and I don't think that I'd done enough running to be able to cope with that. So, um, yeah, I think it was it was one of those, like, uh, I think the, the Strava before that one was Couch to Marathon in 26 weeks. Um, and, and, yeah, like, as we talked about the pre-block, you need a pre-block to go and try and run a, a lofty goal at the marathon. Um, and, yeah, yeah the, the, the cruel beast of the marathon did, did not let me uh, off on that one. And I think it's difficult as well, isn't it? It's sometimes with these these endeavours that we have with things like marathons because there's so much involved but we're so focused on ticking off those training sessions and increasing our fitness that I think it's easy to overlook the other components that will help you to potentially have a good race that might help alleviate issues like cramp and help you to prepare for those situations. You know, you talk about being a heavy sweater. I am as well, actually. And that is an absolute thing. So if you know, nutrition is important. You've not got that nailed down. If you listen to this and you're focusing on, on the spring marathon yourself, then use training to, to kind of pin that down a little bit and, and, and leave, you want as little unknowns as possible when it comes to the actual race day. So just staying on the subject of electrolytes, hydration, the importance of that, running in the heat and cramping. We, we've spoken with another friend of the show, Andy Blow, who's a sports scientist at Precision Fuel and Hydration. Really top guy. We've been down to their offices, Martina and I, my girlfriend, to have a sweat test to find out exactly where we are. Purely a little bit out of interest, but mainly around training in, in the heat and racing in the heat, especially after doing London 2018 as I did, which was the hottest one on year. But I got cramped last year in 
Manchester, I think you remember we had a catch up and it was at mile 24. And as you say, you just feel like you've been shot. It was a hamstring as well. You just feel like you've been shot in the leg. So it's like, right, how, what can we do to counter those things? And we know that just drinking water is not enough. It's taking on those electrolytes. As we record this, this is actually the week of Valencia. So as you know, I'm doing Valencia on Sunday. Uh, when people are listening to this, I will have no doubt... I will have done Valencia Marathon, so who knows how it will have gone. But I'm looking at the forecast here as I listen to you talk about it being warm in London. It's looking a bit warm as well, Josh. I must admit, like, it keeps... You know where you get a bit obsessive about the weather? You just check in the final week, like, every minute. Like, every hour, you're checking on the hour. Between 16 and 19 degrees, it keeps fluctuating around. I'm actually toying with taking some uh, salt tablets with me, like capsules. I would, yeah, definitely. You think? Think it's a good idea. It, and the hydration, it's the hydration is not on the day. The day is almost irrelevant. Um, again, it's the same with your carbohydrate fueling. On the day, largely irrelevant. It's the days preceding that are so important. And again, that, I feel like that's something I got wrong. I didn't manage um, my nutrition in the days leading up to it well enough. Like I feel like I nailed Friday, Saturday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I don't think I potentially fuel myself well enough um uh, for race day so it's yeah starting five six seven days out that's when you're really got to focus on um on getting all of those little bits right it, it is difficult to do because you don't want to go too far the other way do you either you don't want to be putting on weight you don't want to feel heavy heavy lethargic you know you don't want too much fiber when it comes to the couple of days before but you don't want to go too far the other way and end up you know, being blocked up, let's say, for want of a better expression, yeah. you know, don't worry about talking about being a heavy sweater. I'm talking about being blocked up now, Josh, so you're in good company. Yeah, yeah. But all these things are really <laughs> important. What's your view in the final week? So as it stands now, we record this, it's Tuesday. I've got the race on, on Sunday. It is different for different people, of course, but what's your general view? Do you, are you somebody that likes to really get kind of carb load or do you just, are you in the camp that, well, actually you're bringing the training down anyway, so if you're just eating the same as you normally do, you'll naturally carb load to a degree. Where do you sit on that? I think you've got to sort of switch up like what you're having. So you're kind of going for your more like raw, natural foods. So, you know, you're having a spaghetti bolognese. I'm probably looking at trying to reduce the amount of veg in there and probably increase a little bit of the spaghetti side of things. Um, you kind of, yeah, you want to be focusing on just switching things slightly it's not massive changes you're not having to have like a 150 grams of like dry weight pasta sort of thing every meal um it's just changing it up to make it a little bit more carb focused um spot on with the bloating you know you don't be necessarily having that yes your energy demand has dropped um from training but still your energy for the forecast your energy demand is going to go up massively as well so you, you need, i'd say five days out minimum really you need to really be focusing in on okay now i'm getting ready for the marathon um and it, it is really difficult because um you know for example valencia you've got to go out and fly fly to valencia um in, in preparation a couple of days out so you know how can you manage that yeah cycle of travel in order to um still be carb loading still be hydration loading but going through airport security etc likewise for london marathon runners you've got to go to the expo. So, you know, we on the Friday uh, jumped on the train, went down to London, went to the expo, came back. Brilliant, lovely stuff. Okay, well, that, we got on the train at nine o'clock in the morning and we got back at five o'clock in the afternoon. 
And all we did was pick our numbers up, went for a little Italian and came home. So it's it's sort of like, actually, you know, well, how do you manage that um, process as well? And it's organisation, um, it's thinking outside the box a little bit um, and really being prepped well in advance, um, I think, is the kind of the key things you've got to try and do. It's uh, it, it's going back to the analogy, the cricket analogy you used earlier, it's being on the front foot with these things. Again, not being a passenger. So planning what you are eating, where you're going to eat, especially if it's a, a race abroad, you know, which is the, a little bit the unknown. I mean, Martina, when she listens to this, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, this will be after we've done the race, but m- m- maybe I'll have a little chat with her later and I'll tell her some of the things that you mentioned. She'll be over the moon because she's all about paella at the moment. That's She's just looking at all the best paella restaurants. So I'll tell her, look, we need to be getting that, that rice. Uh, that that rice in getting those carbohydrate stores nice and full, nice and stocked. So that's good news. But we so we fly on the Thursday and then we're there Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Come back on the Monday. Obviously after the race it doesn't matter in terms of fuel and stuff. Okay, recovery. But in terms of you know the race is done. Uh, Friday we're going to collect the race number. So again, like yourself, I've been very organised. Even uh, it was actually this morning over breakfast, Josh. I just sat because he sent the final instructions through, and I look where it is in versus the expo versus where we in relation to where we're staying. How long it's going to take to get there? What time it opens? Don't want to be going on the Saturday. You want to try and stay off your feet as much as possible. We like to go self catering, so we're in a little bit more control. We, we will eat out as well, but certainly on the Saturday most of what we eat will be in the apartment, you know, we'll be in control of that. It's not easy, is it? Lining all these things up. It's bonkers. Just look into the future then. I have seen, and I can't help but notice, that you came out of retirement, you had an awesome, just overwhelming experience in London. So many positive comments from everybody on your Strava, just wishing you luck and then just, you know, recognising your achievement. And then you went back into retirement again. What are you are you done now for a bit? <laughs> You're like a bear. You've gone into hibernation. I, I think I had a morning off work after London and uh, I don't think I've stopped until literally like this weekend just gone to actually take some time off and like really process everything. Um, it's just been bang, 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 like one thing after another. Um, really like good time, uh, growth time for my coaching, the, the business. Um you know, setting out new plans for the groups. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I do need to get out and run again at some point. Um, it's it's difficult um, when you've got a job that is public facing and you are working with other people. Um, I've always felt like I, I need to prioritise those people first, and and it's a balance. And I get it wrong quite a lot. Uh, I'm happy to admit that. Um, so yeah. I need to get out on a few more runs. But maybe, maybe I'll wait for a winter next to come round and then get back on the old cricket and that, that'll be enough. Well, we will watch this space. You've teased us there a little bit. It is difficult, Josh, as we've said so many times during this chat, these things and, and getting things right. And especially when you are spinning places, as, as everybody is, uh, people listen to this, uh, maybe training for races, if they are, you know, busy at work, taking on new responsibilities, family, just trying to get that right. You, you can leave yourself a little bit exhausted. So while you're saying, well, I should really get out for a little run and get yourself feeling better. Uh, I can see now we spoke just before we recorded working from home, you used to be in an office, now you're more from home. But you can easily just spend almost your whole life in those four walls. So getting out is good for mental health. But just taking time for yourself, it's not all about the runners. 
as, for example, it's not all about the customers or work or business or whatever it is that people do listen to this. And, and I say that, you know, with, with, with heart because my runners, I messaged them earlier this week. I mean, they know I'm always there for them, like with yourself and your runners and dropping WhatsApp messages and all that. And I said, guys, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm not going to be checking in as often as I normally am this week. I'm just going to try to just back off a little bit, something I haven't done for a long time like yourself. And I think just putting people in the picture a little bit, it's amazing how respectful and appreciative and supportive people are, whether that's, you know, runners, clients, customers, family, friends, just putting people in the picture. It's important, isn't it? Look after yourself. Being open and honest with communication. Mm. And I think the biggest thing um, that I got wrong with my build up to London, going back to that and kind of drawing it all in is, is having the mental freshness to go and do uh, complete the goal that you've got. Um, I didn't have that mental freshness there. I wasn't recovered and ready to go on the day because I'd got so many of the little bits going on here and there. And uh, I'm a major compartmentalizer when it comes to kind of thinking and, and you know, um, all parts of my life. So I hadn't sorted all those bits out. And I went into race day with stress, with fatigue sat there. So I'd say almost the biggest thing for runners, um, the biggest piece of advice I can have um, or give to my former self almost is take that time. And it's not necessarily about adding another five to 10 miles extra a week. It's about being recovered enough and having the mental capacity to go and put yourself in really, really tough situations. And if you don't have that, the extra 10 miles a week is not gonna help you actually using that time to maybe go and do some mindfulness, go and have um, just some relaxation time, go and read a book, switch off, extra sleep. That's going to enhance your experience and training way more than just getting an extra 10 miles a weekend because your body doesn't know the difference. Your body knows the difference when you're so mentally exhausted and out of it that, you know, you can't possibly think about pushing yourself to the extent you want. So don't just have your foot on the floor, pedal to the metal. It's about backing off at the right time, having that freshness, as you're saying, Josh, so you can extract the performance. You, the performance is only one thing, having that fitness and ability. If you're mentally wiped out, fatigued, exhausted, poor sleep, stress, you're not going to be able to push hard, work hard, extract that performance when the going gets tough, which it invariably will in the race, as you and I know very well. Josh, as always, it's been absolutely amazing catching up with you. Listen, we need to catch up, you and I. Should we arrange a bit of a virtual coffee? We'll get that in the diary. That's what everybody's doing these days. Virtual coffee. Uh, we'll do that post-Valencia. We'll have a bit of a debrief. Sounds good to me. Looking forward to it. Have a great day. Catch you soon. Thanks for having me on, bud. Cheers. Running with Jake, the podcast. So you know how usually this part of the show we do the Ask Jake, don't we? It's hashtag Ask Jake. You can drop us an email, podcast at runningwithjake.com. Uh, if you want to and you ask me a question about running, sometimes it's not about running, but mostly it's about running and then I, I do my best to answer it. So we do that, don't we, this bit? That makes sense, right? Sure, yeah, that's what we do here, yeah. And yeah. I recognise... You're not making... You, have, you changed, have you changed the format? Are you changing the format? Well, I realise that I am the host of the podcast, but I have a question, so I'm wondering if I can, like, ask the question. Maybe, I don't know, can you answer it, Pete? Maybe somebody listening to this knows the answer to this question. The question is, and it's been playing on my mind... So hang on, just a minute. We are changing this... this we're changing this award-winning feature of Ask Jake into Answer Jake. Well, we, we could that... call it Ask the Listener. How about that? Okay. So, hashtag yeah, Ask yeah. the Listener. Uh, today's question comes from Jake, who is the host of the podcast. Jake wants to know... <laughs> 
Why would you run a marathon with a pineapple on your head? Why would you do that? Please give this context. <laughs> I mean, what sort of pineapple? An actual pineapple? A pineapple hat? Is it part of the fun run? Uh, if what, what I'm going to do, Pete, you want some context, right? Well, how's this for context? I'm going to send you a link, so just bear with me a second. I'm going to ping this across on WhatsApp. In fact, this link, by the way, we'll, we'll, we'll add it to the show notes page, which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Uh, there you go. Have a look at that. That's uh, that's the Instagram page there. Now, is it? Can you see it? Can you see it? Yeah, I can. Yeah, 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 I can. Um, there's an actual dude who's actually running with a pineapple on his head. <laughs> and this behaviour, he's, he's, it's not just in Valencia, it's all over the place. He's got, he just balances stuff on his head. He is. The, now, I've heard about this guy. He's the pineapple balancing marathon runner. Uh, best times, best race times with a pineapple. I mean, that's, is that a world record? I don't know. Is he a record holder? I have heard about this guy. In fact, one of my runners, and I can't remember which marathon it was. I think it might have been New York recently. Could be wrong. Uh, actually had a selfie with him and and posted it in the group. Like with this guy. with this. Right. So I heard about him. And right. I was like, that that's the, pine, that's the pineapple dude. But what was really bizarre was not the fact that he was doing the Valencia Marathon with a pineapple on his head. I mean, yes, in itself, that is quite bizarre. But I didn't see him during the race. Oh, no, 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 no. I saw him walking around departures at the airport, still with the pineapple <laughs> on his head. Honestly. But the weird He's thing... He's a madman. But you know, is it glued to his head or know. is it just balanced? I don't know. I mean, look, there's going to be some young kids somewhere that just, you know, have walked past him and just want to give him an elbow in the ribs or something, give him a little nudge or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Try and throw an apple at the pineapple, try and knock it off his head. I don't know how he deals with that, that, that level of heckling. He's probably got some form of method... Uh, but what was so weird was, you know, when you see somebody completely out of context and you're like, hang on, hang, hang on, just hang on, let me compute this. Let me just get this. Well, just a guy walking through the airport with a pineapple in his head. At first, I didn't realise it was the pineapple runner because he right. was just like, I don't know, at that point, he was like the pineapple tourist to me. He was like the mm. the pineapple traveller. I didn't know he like ran with it. <laughs> and it was only afterwards when it was like, oh, the penny has dropped. You know, your original question, why run a marathon with a pineapple on your head? I guess it's to bring you some kind of international stardom. I don't know. Is it that? Well, I'm not sure if you've answered my question or not, uh, but I do feel that as the host of the show, and we're getting to the end of the year, I should be allowed to ask one question every year. Just one question. I already know what my question is for next year. <laughs> my question for next year is going to be, why would somebody run with a watermelon on their head. <laughs> because <laughs> on his Instagram account, he's now training with a watermelon. I mean, this is next level stuff. Uh, what I'd like to do, actually, you know, I think with every podcast in the world, you have your dream guest. And for me, our dream guest is the pineapple runner because I'd like to get him on at some point so he can answer the question himself. I'd love that. I'm gonna do, we, should, we should do it. We yeah. should absolutely do that. That's it. I'm going to reach out to him. Let's get the pineapple runner on this show... By 2023. So in the next few weeks, he's got to be on this show. I wonder if he's... Has he done 
Is he done podcasts? I don't is know. It, I, mean, is he, I just have no idea. What, what an intriguing guy. I mean, they say everybody has a story, right? And that's true. What's his story? What is his story? We're going to get to the bottom <laughs> of this. Look, Pete, don't panic. I know that you don't like to break the format of the show. We will return next week with the traditional format of the podcast, which is hashtag AskJake, or you can drop us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. Watch this space. On that note, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you do fancy an amazing marathon experience next year and you're yet to really settle on an event, yes, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? You know what I'm going to say. Valencia. Bloody awesome. You will not regret it. It's amazing. Give it some thought. You never know. Might see you there next year. In either case, have a great rest of the week. Don't eat too many mince pies. It's a little bit too early. We'll be back soon. Oh, and one more thing. Patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Sweet.